Welcome to the Dare to Pivot podcast, a resource for inspiration and encouragement while you're on your path to purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is hosted by Wakia Hayward, that's me, and Barbara Wade, two middle-aged sisters who are passionate about having honest, open conversations with each other and special guests about faith, transparency, and living a life of purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is rooted in the Christian faith, and we believe that we are all made for a reason and with intention. However, it's up to us to pursue our purpose. By exploring the four foundational pillars of DARE, which are decisions, actions, results, and evaluations, we're hoping that women will be motivated to actively pursue their own purpose journeys. Join us as we learn together that it's never too late to be great. Hi, ladies. Welcome to the Dare to Pivot podcast. My name is Wakia Hayward, and And I'm your host. And this is Barbara Way. Hi, and this is Tara Newton. Yay. Well, Tara is our special guest today, and so I'm just going to tell you all a little bit about Tara. So Tara is a social worker, a mental health therapist in the public school system. She just recently got her PhD, and her research was based off of racial uh, microaggressions, school social work, and academic outcomes in the Black students. Whoop, whoop. Tara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Tara. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So thank you for giving such an extensive uh, bio on all of your professional accomplishments. I feel like one, I'm gonna put a plug in for my alma mater, HU also. Yes, Yes. what did they say? The real HU? The real HU, exactly. (laughs) In case there's some perpetrators on it, we love you all. But uh, just wanted to, to let you know we are kindred spirits and that we've been to that historic HBCU and, and I'm proud every day of that decision. And I hope you are also because you sound like you um, had a, a, a wealth of, of uh, experiences and you were definitely motivated and eager to develop yourself as you mm-hmm. earned your master's from Howard and your uh, PhD from the School of Social Work there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll congratulate you on an oh, awesome thank you. vision as well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Yes. So the work that you're doing now, um, Akia quickly mentioned, you know, uh, mental health therapists in public schools setting. You mind giving um, all our listeners just a, a, a tad bit of background on what specifically that work entails? Yeah, so um, I I actually have worked in um, high schools for years. Um, The majority of my development was working as a school social worker, but for the recent years, God really caused a pivot, um, a a slight pivot in my career where now um, I am strictly a mental health um, specialist in schools, you know, where I really do get the opportunity, and I call it an opportunity. Um, I consider this a privilege and a service um, to be able to work with children who are receiving special education services in schools. So, you know, in that, that means a lot of them have certain types of issues that may prevent them from making the most out of the educational curriculum. So sometimes there's weaknesses in math or, you know, written and verbal expression. 
Um, but the majority of the students I work with um, really do have some concerns related to their emotional, social emotional development. And so I, I get the privilege of working with them around development of social skills, learning how to connect a little bit um, uh, deeply with their peers. I'm helping them to also kind of work through their own history of trauma. Um, sometimes that might mean neglect. Sometimes that might mean just, you know, um, immigration related issues. Sometimes that mean that means real clinical um, diagnoses that they, you know, are trying to just overcome. And so um, I am so grateful um, that God allowed me to take this pivot in my career because I think I got to tell you guys, you know, all along, I think this is where my heart has been moving. Um, I think I knew this even when I was um, a child. I, I, I can't really explain it, but I could always see myself working with young people. And so um, just always having a heart for the development of mental health and mental wellness. This really has been um, a, a journey towards fulfilling my passion, um, my true passion. And so I'm just so honored to be in this space of helping to grow our youth um, and helping them to work through their issues while they have time versus, you know, what happens to a lot of us, you know, we sometimes don't get these opportunities until we're adults, well into adulthood, sometimes raising children, sometimes in marriages where now you're realizing, uh-oh, you know, there's some, some things that I have left untapped um, in my childhood that I really needed to work through then. And so, you know, I really do consider this an honor that I get a chance to serve children and hopefully um, allow them to make some pivots in their own uh, development. So this is, this is really great. I, I really, I love it. I love it. Well, wonderful. Well, you used a, a, a phrase that is close to my heart. You used the word passion and you said that you, you know, you felt it as a, as a young child. Was there any particular basis you could identify um, for helping you develop or at least identify that passion? Oh, wow. That's a good question. You know, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer um, that I think a lot of times our passions come from points of pain, not mm -hmm. for everybody. Okay. I, I, you know, I get it. Not for everyone. Sometimes passion comes from something we've done and it was awesome and great and fun mm -hmm. and exuberating, but, but I really, if I'm being honest, I think, you know, um, there, there was a part of my own journey as a, as a youth where I, I lost my father um, at nine years old. And then I think mm -hmm. um, maybe that was around September. And then a few months after that, lost my grandfather. And, you know, for any young lady who's, you know, in, you know, the kind of that elementary school age, I think that might've been third grade, um, that really hit me hard. Mm -hmm. um, and it shaped, I think it really did a number on my esteem, um, trust, in, in just um, the consistency and the permanency of people being around, like being able to depend on others, my identity, you know, that was really something that shook me to the core. From there, I shared that because I think it was something that happened to me from there that had me on a search of trying to figure out how people overcome hardship. Even as a child, I would listen to stories a lot and watch people a lot who've been through something, just to really see how do they make it? What, what choices do they make? What practices do they have? What things are they involved in? And so I spent a lot of time being a precocious, you know, kind of um, teenager, just listening and eavesdropping on adults' conversations, you know, just believing that I would hear something that would give me a sense of hope into how other people who'd endured loss or trauma or pain 
especially at a young age, how did they overcome? And I think there was something about that, you know, you all that, that stuck with me. Um, and so I just remembered feeling as if, gosh, I, I don't know, it was almost like I was, I would sometimes have visions of myself working with young people as an adult woman, but all of these visions would happen when I was a, when I was kind of developing as a teen and as a young adult. And so I think it was something about that place of pain that has helped me to relate sometimes to some of the things that, that um, teenagers say, some of the ways in which they internalize trauma and pain, some of the ways in which they, um, struggle to develop trust and, and healthy relationships and boundaries with others. I, I know now, I didn't know then, but I know now a lot of that came from my own place of pain, even as a young lady trying to work through issues of grief and loss. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing such a, a, a personal and pivotal part of your your journey and I love the reflection. I mean, it sounds like you've taken quite a bit of time to kind of yeah. process, Yeah. Um, you know, where did this come from to be able to use, you know, your story and your own life and uh, those occurrences to um, uh, understand the feelings behind them and to actually make them positive and productive. I was honestly just started to, to um, reflect on the fact that not only did you identify the fact that you had a trauma and you probably didn't put that word to it, you know, at no. nine years old, but it sounds, it sounds as if you actively recognize that this is a thing. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's an abnormal thing. It's out of the norm, you know, to, to lose a, a, lose a parent and this hurts and that you saw it um, uh, in the conversations of adults, how they get over stuff and through stuff, because you recognize, even if it wasn't on a conscious level, you recognize that you were going through something. Absolutely. And that in itself, I think is just phenomenal. And I'm reflecting on, hey, I know I didn't do that. Um, that that's just amazing to me, and I think that is like a, a a major component of God blessing you and covering you in that mm -hmm. time, because mm -hmm. that's where your thought process was. You could acknowledge it, and you already started looking for a way to heal, and that is phenomenal. Yeah, thank you for that. And and you're right. You you know you hit it on the head. I didn't know what trauma was then. Okay. I didn't know what loss was then. Right. I didn't have words to it. Right. I knew what it felt like, and right. I knew that my peers weren't going through the same thing. Right. So I didn't. You know, outside of just trying to look to adults to see, well, how are they making it? What you know? What are they doing? What are the steps? And 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 I and I do have to say. You know, I did have a lot of family members, a lot of women who were women of faith. And, th and that was one thing that I do remember even as a, a, a little girl that, you know, faith was a big part of healing, but, but the mental health component, um, mm -hmm. and I was saying all that to say the mental health component, I did not realize until I became an adult, you know, mm -hmm. that I grew up in an era where we didn't talk about mental health a lot. Right. Right. Um, and seeing a therapist was sometimes not 
considered a, a necessity of life. Um, you know, we saw moms, we saw aunties, we leaned on grandmoms, we leaned on pastors. You know, we leaned on teachers and big cousins and stuff. And so I didn't know until I became an adult, like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Some, something's, something's not, there's something else going on here beyond just praying and believing. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, so, so, so yeah. So thank you for saying that because that's the truth. I don't think I had the words until I became an adult and really um, learned more about what trauma looks like in young kids and how it plays out and affects your adult life. Right, right. So I, I would say, I, I totally agree with what Barbara was saying. I think that, um, so because of the fact that she was cognizant enough to actually recognize that there was an issue and that she was actually experiencing an issue and you was able to channel, channel that into, you know, um, working with the young people because you recognize that your that your root was like when you was a kid like it happened when you was a kid like to pinpoint that mm-hmm. that place most people go their whole life and they are still you know they're late in their late in their life and they are still trying to pinpoint what mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like what was the trigger so the fact that she was able to identify the trigger early and and then take that and instead of using that as a um an excuse to while out and that crazy you said no I'm gonna use this to help other kids, other people as they go through it you know what I'm saying yeah yeah I mean because most people just don't I don't I don't necessarily think that most people will stop and say you know what you know mm-hmm. God took my father and then turned around and took my grandfather and so I'm gonna now use this hurt and pain to help other people learn you know uh, you know go through this or go through some type of trauma as they move forward you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and then because of the recognize that yes well it may you know that prayer isn't always enough sometimes mm-hmm. you need a little bit more <laughs> you know just a little mm-hmm. bit more to help you through you know I, I I do say too now I have to give credit to the I, you know, to God in the, in the way though, that I think he pulls us mm-hmm. <laughs> into our different paths and callings, because the truth is, I, I don't know, like I might be saying it now, like it may have appeared to be a very conscious and calculated decision throughout the, the lifespan, but it, but it was not really, there were doors that had to open. There were times I think he had to um, remind me again of the pain of the loss, if that makes sense. Because the truth is, I think I did what most, well, some people do. I tried to forget. I, I tried to suppress it, you know, and, and I didn't realize until I was getting in relationships where people were saying to me, um, you know, you, you tend to run um, from anything that looks like um, intimacy. And I did not realize that until I became a woman. So I do want to clarify that, that mm-hmm. some things had to play out where I had to realize, oh, there is something to this. There's something about then the inability to want to have intimate connections. And I don't mean in a sexual way, just with sister mm-hmm. girls, with, with dating that I think I knew that I had learned if I get close enough to someone, they'll leave. That's the child in me that was talking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, and so God had to, to kind of take me through experiences that were painful where I was realizing, oh, this is a pattern. This is a pattern that's developed for su- survival. And, and, and sometimes that's what trauma can look like, that you're starting to develop certain things that look like random behaviors, but it's just your own way of trying to deal with hurt and things that you thought were 
undescribably brutal. And so I just wanted to, to make sure I added that because the truth is I think God will pull us a lot of times. He pulled me, you know, into these callings where I did have to do work where he reminded me, you know, of my own journey, but also how to recognize it sometimes in other people so that you don't dismiss things that look like abrasiveness, that look like avoidance, that look like people being, um, you know, detached. Sometimes the root of that really is, it is, it is trauma. And I think I had to see it in myself um, so that I could then learn how to see it in other people. Yeah, thank you so much for clarifying that because I don't want people to think that, you know, it is just a straight line. No, it's totally not. <laughs> it's totally not a straight line. Um, one of the things I always, I've always um, thought, and I guess the way I look at God, and, you know, we all have our own personal relationships with God. Mm-hmm. I've always felt like, you know, the things that happened to me as a child, um, you know, and people are like, well, how do you explain those things? I explained it because God knew he needed to use me early. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to go through stuff early. You know what I'm saying? And then thank God you sort of learn some of those lessons as you're going through it so that when you're ready to be called, you know, you're ready because he, you've already fought the lion and the bear. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be ready when, when you're called and you can't go through, if you don't really go through those experiences first, you don't really get up, you know, you're not ready to do what you need to do when the time comes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always, um, you know, one of my favorite verses um, <laughs> is one of, favorite, but yet kind of conflicting is, is one of the ones in Proverbs that talks about, you know, in a man's heart, um, he plans his course, but the Lord has to determine the steps, you know, our best laid plans, you know, the things that we dream about is in our youth, the things that we plan, even in our adulthood, you know, sometimes we don't know how God will pull us, you know, we, we just don't know, we plan things, we hope, you know, we try our best to make it, but the way that he kind of takes us through these twists and turns for his glory and his will, they're just always, sometimes I have to sit back and laugh um, at the ways in which he gets his plans fulfilled. Agreed, because I think the most, for me, when I think about that scripture, the first thing I think is like the counter to that, right, is that I know the plans I have for you. <laughs> Now I know the plans that you have for you, <laughs> but I know the ones that I have for you, which sort of changes the game all the way around. Come on. Yep. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So a segue onto um, helping others now. So how do you, how did you get to a place where you decided um to help others and leverage your basically your own personal experience knowing that you've gone through trauma you can identify it in other people um how do you use those experiences to help others to divide to define um you know catalysts and areas of growth and restoration um for, for their personal experiences? Well, some of it definitely, you know, it does come through what we talked about earlier through, I think a lot of that is channeled in just the work, the, the work every day. You know, I don't necessarily call it a job. Sometimes I just, I call it more like a, a kind of a God calling. Cause I, because I don't know if there's a lot of always glamor to, to unpacking pain with people, right? Like it takes a lot out of you. And, and, and I don't want to give the impression that everything about mental health is painful. It's, it's not, there's some awesome points. You know, I believe that I get to watch people 
um, also birth things, right? We, you know, we, we watched um, a lot of interesting things come to pass. People become new creatures. But, but with that, though, there's a lot of weightiness to that. And so I think I would be remiss if I didn't say some of the way that I believe I have to lean into that is to also kind of practice my own self-care. And, and I wanna say that first, because I think sometimes the conversations about wellness or mental health, there's often strategies on, you know, theories and interventions and, but, but I think sometimes what gets downplayed is the need for counselors, therapists, doctors, whatever folks' titles are to do your own work. To, to make sure that your own filters are clean, to make sure that I have to watch, you know, like who who's around me. And I don't, and I'm not saying that in an arrogant way. That's not what I mean. I, I mean is in the sense of making sure that you're able to truly give people what is theirs and what is not mine, my stuff, you know, my baggage, you know, that, that you're not coming into session talking about your own unresolved issues. There's nothing that vexes me more um, than to hear people say, you know, I went to my therapist and she spent the whole time talking about herself. So, so I just say all that to say, um, you all, that I think some of the work has to also be done on your own home front mind, um, making sure you have to kind of have a ritual, start your day, prayer, meditation, you know, um, having a good source of support around me so that when I enter a room with someone, whether it's virtual or, or direct, you know, that there is room for them, if that makes sense. There's room for them to share, um, to be transparent, to be honest, and just to hold space for individuals, you know, and I believe some of that work means you have to start with self um, and being transparent about where you are and realizing that, you know, um, the journey doesn't end um, because I say I'm moving into this profession. I think that was some of the biggest things I had to, to remember as a therapist um, and walking in this journey that it does not end. I think I've heard people sarcastically say, how does so-and-so still have that issue in their, their therapist? Well, because God is always working on us. He's always working on people. I, I'm a firm believer of that, that no one reaches a point, you know, you're on a mountaintop where you can say, I've mastered every single you know, element of personal and emotional development. That's not real. Anybody who tells you that is a liar. I'm just right. being blunt. Um, God's always moving and there's always an area of, of growth um, because we are evolving every day. We're, you know, we're meeting new people every day. Relationships cause us to change and none of us are who we were, you know, 20 years ago. So, so we're always evolving. And I think there's just some things that I had to recognize the older I get, that the work has to begin with you um, so that you're able to have space for other people and to see them in their unique journeys and to not bring your own, your own journey um, to invade that, you know, to allow yourself to kind of invade other folks' growth. And so I think that's a few of the things that I would like to say that I try to bring into every experience before you even dare to try to think about any type of psychoanalytic anything, um, the work has to be done on the home front first. So, so I'm very glad that you said that. And the question that came to my mind 
is how do we correlate mm -hmm. that same concept to our personal relationships? So you mentioned self-care, you mentioned making space, <laughs> um, uh, um, aligning, um, well, cleaning, keeping our own filters clean. Mm -hmm. um, and so I certainly see the value in therapist-client relationship, mm -hmm. but I see that value and that need, to be honest, to be perfectly honest, in any relationship, Yeah, you know, that I have in any season of my life and every role that I play, whether mm -hmm. it's sibling or daughter or mother or wife, you know, all those things still do apply. <laughs> and that's regardless of what profession, you know, um, you know, I, I am currently engaged in. So can you correlate all of those things to um, our, our personal relationships, our non-professional relationships as well? You know, that's a very good question. So I think generally speaking, yes, but here is where I think I, I think this is what the difference is though. I think in when, when I initially answered that question, it was in the role of, let's say, clinician, right? Mm -hmm. but, but when I think about relationships with sisters, brothers, cousins, you know, um, we are emotionally attached to these people. So I think the beauty of having a neutral, you know, um, objective person to sit with means that, you know, we, we get a non- biased type of experience with someone because even though yes like certain principles about healthy boundaries and honesty all those are things that we want to carry in our relationships with others but I think that that element though that gets in the way is the personal relationship we have with them it is the history we have with them it is the fact that when they go through they take us with them that that doesn't well in many therapeutic alliances that does not happen because there's not an emotional tie right that you know when when clients have breakdowns when the when the call ends they're not taking me with them but when my brother calls and he has a health issue when my mother calls and 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 has something else going on with a, a loved one when we lost my aunt this year we take that ride together and I, and i think that makes it a little bit complicated mm -hmm. um, in spaces where we know we're connected with one another that sometimes there's the beauty of it right like we when we go through things together there's connection there's strength and numbers but i i'm not sure though that there's always the same type and quality of space um, where we can also hear things the same way from someone that i've known since i was four or someone that, you know, um, it, I, I think there's something about personal relationships that tend to hit us a little differently than some of those neutral alliances that you may have with counselor, doctor, clinician, therapist. So, but I, but I know what you mean. I think there's some virtues that we have in those therapeutic alliances that we ought and want to take with us in our personal relationships as well. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm thinking about those that, you know, are, are listening and I'm, I'm hoping that they are garnering all the um, nuggets that you're um, sharing. And if they're not currently um, 
uh, I would say in a, 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 a client um, therapy uh, relationship that they understand that they can still, well, the, the importance of exercising, um, I would say healthy mental health habits, <laughs> meaning, you know, knowing the word boundary, learn how to create them, discover mm -hmm. what is healthy for them, uh, be willing to create them, um, get in a regimen of self-care that is healthy and uh, restores and rejuvenates them as opposed to, you know, takes them down and um, uh, destroy their body with unhealthy habits, you know, that could be a variety of things. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, just to um, help them uh, maybe visualize or understand that there's still major value in um, having mental healthy, uh, well, I'll say wellness habits. Wellness. That, yes. that benefit your mental health that directly to me correlates to your emotional health and your physical health it all and your spiritual health works together and it yeah. all works together so is there something you could um, help folks connect the dots and I know you have a, a deep well on the mental health part but it sounds like personally as well you're also you know well versed in in, in places of wellness in those other areas as well yeah, the, you know, mental health and wellness, you know, is definitely a continuum. And, and, and thank you for that question, because I, I do believe sometimes we hear mental health and we only think disease, but not the things that we do every day, all of us. Um, like, you know, like the, the, the sometimes the taking time out to meditate. And it doesn't have to be, you know, this kind of formal thing where we're sitting with legs crossed. Sometimes it does just mean going on a walk, having a few minutes of visualizing yourself in this place of peace and quiet. You know, um, sometimes we call that just grounding where you just take in what you hear and, and what you see and what you smell. And sometimes, you know, just reflecting on a memory that brings brings you a sense of joy and safety. We can do that anywhere on a bus, you know, sitting at the desk at work, um, you know, making sure that we take time out every day for gratitude. I'm a big believer in gratitude being something that aids the mind and the body and the spirit. And any one of us can do that, no matter where we are, just waking up every day with something that we're grateful for on our hearts, particularly right now in a season where, you know, we're all, we're all sharing the season of COVID and a pandemic. Um, and, and many of us have been touched in different ways, but reminding ourselves of something we are grateful for in a deep way really does aid to our mental health and wellness, you know, establishing relationships that are safe and secure and, and surrounding ourselves with others who don't bring us down and, and friends that uplift as well as convict, you know, a, a little bit of both, I always say, are, are good to have around as people who do a little bit of both, not just fans um, and not just social media friends um, and not just a cheering squad. All that feels good but that doesn't always aid to our development. So, you know, I, I do believe that if we can surround ourselves with people who cheer us on, but also make us think, help us grow, pose tough questions, um, and also can, can be there with us sometimes as um, my pastor calls just the ministry of presence, 
you know, those things aid to our, our emotional wellness as well. Just sometimes having friends that are just there. Those are things that we can implement on our, our daily kind of, you know, our regimen. Um, as far as the, you mentioned the body and the mind connection, cardio, walking, like, you know, you don't have to be an athlete to get out there and get some steps in. So many studies point to, you know, the, how walking and movement boosts the brain and all of our feel-good hormones. And these are things all of us have at our disposal, whether that's just lifting weights, if you can't walk, right? Doing something with your limbs, um, you know, walk, taking a walk instead of, you know, always catching elevator and escalators. These things trigger feel-good hormones and we all have that at our disposal as, as far as the things that we can practice on an everyday basis. Um, but, but something else I wanted to mention too, along the lines of just gratitude, sometimes the art of simply saying something, some people call it paying it forward, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, you know, whatever name you want to put to it, but just something that um, allows us to practice kindness. Mm. You talk about a boomerang effect, you know, um, and just showing somebody kindness and grace, the way that that stuff comes back on you, whoo, it, it just does something to the mind and the body and the spirit. And so, but these are just a few things, you know, that I, that I believe any of us, no matter where you are in your stages in life, we can all partake in those different activities to aid to our emotional well-being. Hey, well, well, we sound like we 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 got a spark there. So, do you do you have a particular event, occurrence, experience in mind that you wouldn't mind sharing about, you know, uh, kindness to others? Something that doesn't even have to be recent, but something that you remember it, you were intentional about doing, and just the effect of what happened, how how it affected you. You know, it's funny. I, I have a passion about it. It's, I don't even know if I have one incident, right? I think I just have learned it's something about grace. It's something about paying for, you know, when you sometimes pay for something for someone, something for yeah. someone. I have found it comes back to you like when I give someone a gift. Mm -hmm. And it may sound corny. I don't know, like within a couple of weeks, something comes back to me. And, and I know we hear those kind of stories a lot and social media, but I, I have found that it really is true that right. times in my life where I've needed grace and patience and understanding when I've given it away, when people didn't deserve it, right? it's, it's made its way back to me. And, and, and I don't even know if it's been like one example, because I think I'm learning that I see it kind of playing out. Um, kind of an everyday experience where, you know, I might need something really bad, a pardon, a favor, an extension, you know, on a paper, on a, and, and, you know, by me giving it to a student, um, mm -hmm. to family, it, it does come back, you know, in mm -hmm. little ways and small, treating someone to dinner and in a month, someone does the same for you. It's, you know, it's something about the nature of reciprocity and sowing and reaping. I, love it and I love when that plays out in life because too often we I think I don't know I think when I say we culture I think we kind of minimize that a little bit the power of sowing and reaping I it excites me <laughs> I can tell <laughs> yeah. yeah 
That's wonderful. It's it's so crazy because, you know, when we first started talking, you know, obviously we was talking more professionally, but there was a phrase that you used earlier and it was like, you know, well, you just have to do the work, right? And you was talking about it initially um, from a professional standpoint, yeah. right? But that's just, I think doing the work, it's just, it's just universal. So in all, like when Barbara asked the question about relationships like personal relationships it still comes down to doing the work because all the little tidbits you you mentioned as far as the the meditation the gratitude the relationships as far as uplifting and convicting the moving of the body the paying it forward all those things still make you a better person Mm -hmm. a more whole more well-rounded person and you take you wherever you are right right that's right. That's right. The work you've got, we got to put in the work, you know, I, yes, I, I agree with you. The work we have to do it. Faith is great. Prayer is great. But at some point, you know, I think God calls us to do, you know, work in, in step with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We got to put in that work. Right. And I, I think, I think because you have chosen to do the work, and so I think that's why now you're where you are now, which is, you know, um, you know, I guess all those little steps that you just gave us um, and then also taking that one step further, like, you know, how you just finished your PhD or, you know what I'm saying? And just still, you know, it's, it's all a thing. It's all, it's all a thing. I think all too often we just assume that because we're praying about it and we're waiting on God, that God is just going to, it's just going to pop out the air and it's just going to be there, but that's not the case, right? We still got to do something. <laughs> like he's expecting us to take a step to do something to make that thing come to pass. Even if it's something like what you're doing now, which is just pursuing your passion, he may have given you that spark when you was little, but it was up to you to cultivate it yes, and to keep it going. That's right. That's and right. I think sometimes we just forget that, especially as Christians, right? Is that we just think that, you know, the more faith I have and I'm just going to believe it, and it's gonna to come to pass. He can do that, but 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 um, historically, when you look at his word, you see that ain't that typically isn't what he do. <laughs> he no, expects man. you to put some skin in the game. You you better believe it. And you know what? Miracles and all of those things—they're awesome, right? We all love a good miracle story where we pray for something and boom—it happens without any work. But I I say this right from my own life meaning when I've watched other people, but also when, when I've connected with others, it's been through the work. What, what I mean is it's been through having a vision or a dream, going through process <laughs> and having a testimony at the end. And usually my experience has been, and I believe that sometimes it doesn't always happen through instantaneous, miraculous answers that God may give a promise, but then we got to put in that good work. And it does not always look like a straight line. Sometimes it looks very messy and we make what we call mistakes, you know, God knows, but you know, it looks like pain and it looks like hard work and it looks like, you know, growth and development. And I think it's something about the work that people can connect to, you know, we're human, you know, we, and we come with, you know, we all have emotions and things that we want to relate to in other people. And I think when I watch people go to work, it makes me feel like I maybe can do it too. Versus sometimes when there's miracles, I feel like, well, they're nice, but it doesn't always give me tools. It doesn't show me how. And we don't always get resiliency um, until we put in the work and so I love that you know you you raised that great point it's you know it's something about how God develops us and it's it's through process and that means work 
Uh, I think that right there statement right there that you just made was so great, right? I think especially when you think about kids today who grown up, most kids today are growing up in this microwave um, society where they're expecting things right now right and it's just gonna happen um you know instagram tiktok you see somebody went from here to there mm. in seconds and it was just you know a, a beautiful thing and i think that for you to put out there that you know that there is that season of you having to constantly work it out and keep going and not stopping and and well i, I think you said something like you know when you see just a miracle it almost makes you feel like you're not worthy you know because you're yeah. just hoping for that miracle then when you keep missing it <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh woe is me but that's it's not the miracle right it's the work behind it it's all the shots that you took that nobody that you didn't hit <laughs> you know what I'm saying that makes the big difference and I think that's what we sort of want people just holistically to sort of get right because if not you get so um discouraged yes people need to see the missed shot people need to see you know hey this didn't happen right away like I I, I was joking around with some family members recently saying you know, I appreciate the the congratulations on finishing the PhD, but that sucker took me nine years. Like, don't get it twisted. You know, mm -hmm. this, this wasn't anything that kind of popped up and I was done in three. When I hear those testimonies, while I'm happy for others, that's, that's not what I mean, but I sometimes cringe be because I have to say, that is not what happened with me. This was mm -hmm. a nine year journey that sometimes felt like I was lost in the wilderness mm -hmm. of going around a mountain that I felt like I'd gone around before and you know and having to feel like you know why is this not happening quickly um but it didn't nine years is almost a decade of life <laughs> of sacrifices right. of money of, tuition, <laughs> of lost friends of missed out you know opportunities so I thought, right, um, of, of humility, you know, of trying to lean in to a process that is in many ways academia, you know, it feels like it's controlled by other people. Let's just mm -hmm. be honest, mm -hmm. you know, um, that it's not your kind of pretty packaged journey. Um, and you take a lot of hits when you leave there. So, so, you know, you talk about the work sometimes it takes all of us to get to something we thought God said, this is the route I need you to take next. And that sounds like a shout moment when you hear him say it, but you have no, I had no idea that what he meant was, Tara, it's going to take you nine years to get here. Because I think if I knew that, I probably would have said, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. And let's work on something else, Lord. You know, like that's, that's, that's not, I mean, you, your point was well taken. We, we live in a society where things are done instantaneously. So, so we got people popping up everywhere with, with quick, quick kind of, you know, degrees and certifications. And so I, if I would have thought nine years, I probably would have said, no, nah, I'm good. You know, go on to the next soldier um, who has time for that. You know, life is filled with swift transition, but, you know, thankfully we don't always see our ending in um, our beginnings or else we would never say yes to a lot of things, you know? Exactly. And I think that's one reason why he doesn't show us the plan. He says, I know the plan. He never promised <laughs> that he would lay it out and show it to us. And I think that's when uh, sometimes we may have the points where we're questioning, do I believe, did I hear him say he wanted me to do this? Because he didn't show the whole plan. That's right. And so while we're taking, putting one step in front of the other, 
you're like, uh, is this going to come to an end anytime soon? That's right. To your point, if they tells you it's going to be seven, nine, 10, 12 years, you would not be as no. responsive initially. No. <laughs> and uh, so he said, you got to believe that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. That's right. And so I need you to just take these two steps, believing that they will culminate in the degree, the number of credits you need <laughs> to finally graduate. Yeah. That's what I need you to focus on. Yeah. And so he, I think he really on it. Well, to me, that's always a, a confirming point is that he knows how to deal with me. He knows he can only tell me for so much. Yeah. We wouldn't because, because I have to keep taking those couple of steps as opposed to focusing just solely on when I get to that end because mm -hmm. there's so much valuable in the journey yeah. that um, I would miss. And that's yes. <laughs> yes, no, but that's real, right? Because we know that there's so much value in the journey. You know, I, one of my favorite words is always process because mm -hmm. there is something beautiful about process. You know, it's the, the beginning when you hear a word from God or someone tells you they're gonna give you something is great. And then the end, when you're finished is always great, but the real development, the work is mm -hmm. in process. And, right. and that's where I think the beauty, the lessons, you know, the growth, those unforgettable moments, those pivotal moments, I have believed they happen in the middle of, you know, prophecy to end, you know, when you're told something, you know, it's just something about that middle, that middle stuff mm -hmm. um, is where that the goodness is found. Um, it, it is something about that, yeah. Well, I just want to piggyback. I think um, to Barbara's point, you know, God know with me, he know I'm shady at best. <laughs> at best, I'm shady. So he know if he was to tell me anything that's going to take me nine years, I would be like, uh-uh. Yeah. No, I, I can't. Lord, yeah. I got so many other things we could be doing in these nine years, though. Nine mm -hmm. years. So I definitely can understand. Um, and I, res I, I respect God for that. One, I respect the fact that, that he knows each one of us individually, mm -hmm. right? And he knows that what it's going to take for each one of us to keep going. But to your point, Tara, about the process, right? I think there's something about when God first initially said, this is what you want, this is what I want you to do. And you all, you hype, like you are just, you ready to go and you just telling everybody this is what I'm about to do God said xyz <laughs> I'm about to do this and then it's that part in the middle where God stops talking yes and there is nothing and then you start like Barbara said you start questioning yourself like did he even say that like this was that my voice because I'm gonna tell y'all the truth when I got when I want something God voice sound just like Wakia voice I'm just gonna tell y'all the honest guy truth <laughs> so you know you go through that moment that middle where there's that silence yeah. of, of trying to keep going so Tara, what are some of the tricks of the trade that you use to keep going forward when there's that silence? You know, um, huh, you guys ask great questions. You know, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if I, I don't know if I would call them tricks versus like, you, you know, I, I, as soon as you said that immediately, what came to my mind was some of those times where I had to sit in my home and cry, right? And I know that that might sound really dark and down. That's not what I'm trying to, to give off here. I'm just simply stating that sometimes it did not look pretty. It, it felt, and, and I'm, right now I'm speaking to the academic component, right? I'm just taking a quick pivot, like, because I was talking about the nine year 
um, journey of it, that sometimes it did look like sitting up at night, crying, trying to figure out, did I hear God wrong? Trying to figure out, you know, um, how can I get out of this? Trying to figure out, is it worth it? Like all those things that I think sometimes you say to yourself when God is calling you to anything, I don't care what it is, right? But I remember sometimes it meant real, fervent, transparent tears, right? There's no, there's no nice, pretty way to say it. But then, but then there were also times where I have to say some of those tricks look like things that I couldn't, I couldn't control, like, like him sending me, you know, a fellow student who maybe just graduated and had had, you know, kind of um, was able to offer encouragement in a way that other people just couldn't connect to. A lot of times it meant family members who just sometimes called or sent letters with an encouraging word, like those things that I had no control over, but they were God moments where I knew it was him saying, pick your head up. You know what I mean? Like we those kind of God winks where pick your head up. Yes. You know, you heard what I said. And so things like that would happen where things would come in the mail. Somebody would call. I would run into somebody who said, you know, I just I just graduated. Let me, you know, let me tell you what I went through, or you know, you can do this. It it was though it was those kind of things that ended up being answers to my tears, right? Where I maybe didn't always have the words, <laughs> you know, it wasn't always articulate, like, God, I need this, I need that. I didn't always know from semester to semester, you know, was I going to be able to pay for tuition? I'm paying out of pocket on my own. It was those kind of moments, like very real life situations and, and watching, watching my heavenly father work, you know, um, it was those kind of things of getting raises on the job that I didn't anticipate. You know, like I said, money might come come in the mail. Somebody saying, "Here, we have this grant for you." It was it was those kind of things that sometimes is dropped that would say, "Now you keep running on and see what the end's going to bring." And therein, I think sometimes is that fine, magical sweet spot between um, the divine intervention and you putting in the work. And sometimes it's when those low moments hit. It was weird, y'all. It was like, it was a combination of low moments to only see where his strength was. And, and so, you know, I feel like it was, it was having to kind of honor those moments. I'm being honest, those moments where I was humbled and I was hurting. And, and I think academic experiences in general can be very isolating after, after undergrad, right? Like, I feel like my undergrad was awesome. It was fun. You know, it was hype. It was, you know, all those things. Yes. I, I didn't have that. I didn't have that at, at this level, right? It, it was work. It was work. It was research. It was reading. It was late nights. It was no sleep. I didn't, you know, undergrad was a, was a, to me, it was a high. I, I, I left there and cried my eyes out because it was probably one of the best years of my life. Um, this felt more like, um, what can I liken it to? Maybe professional development, right? Mixed in with the parts of it that pulls you emotionally and spiritually. You know, I think my prayer life took on a different flavor. <laughs> um, I think I learned 
that there's some seasons in life and this may, again, this may not sound good, but I think I learned there's some seasons in life you got to go through alone. And I know that, you know, sometimes that doesn't sound great, but I think sometimes that's true that everyone won't always understand and you got to keep going anyway. Um, particularly when I think you've, you've prayed for something and you watch God kind of open doors in these really weird ways, I think that are kind of God winks to say, I got you and there's purpose to this, keep going. And we may not always have the answers. You know, there's, there's that, um, I think it's a, it's a false belief sometimes believers have that when God tells us something, we always know what it's about. We always know how, how he's mm -hmm. going to use it. You know, you all, I don't, I don't know if I believe that as a Christian, I think there's some things about our journey. Um, well, you all said it, you know, when we talked about the verse, you know, I know the plans I have for you. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are going to be plans to prosper you and not harm you. But, 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 but part of that means, though, that it's a walk of faith. If we knew all the steps, it wouldn't be called faith. So mm -hmm. to answer your question, you know, I think some of those tricks really had to do with walking by faith and not by what we see, because a lot of times on that journey, I didn't see a lot of open doors. I didn't, I didn't see it. It, it. it was painful sometimes. It was, it was working in the day and studying all night. Sometimes no sleep, you know, um, and it hurt. But, but you know, I. Someone, one of you all talked about the element of believing. And I, and I think that there is where I was stretched because I think before I started this journey, clearly I heard many times God tell me, believe. Nothing deep, no, nothing I could preach a sermon on, but believe. But it resonated within me to the point where I kept writing it down in my journal. Every time I would hear it, it would hit me deeply, just believe. And every now and again, when I would become weary, I'm telling you, I would hear, believe. And it was like fuel to my empty tank. Hmm. Just, just keep believing. You don't need to know everything today, hmm. but for now, for today, your assignment, believe. Hmm. So if that can encourage anybody, you know, that sometimes it's okay to say, I don't have all the answers, but I'm, I'm going to keep believing. Wow. <laughs> um, I'm going to believe anyway, and I'm going to run on and see what the end is going to bring. And I'm going to own my own journey. Mm -hmm. If I don't have, well, not one thing, but one major thing I think was my takeaway over these nine years, own your own journey, you know, watching other people's journey, watching how God took them it is depressing sometimes because you lose your own focus and your own race. Um, you know, but to own how God works his plans out for me, for you, was mm -hmm. one of the biggest lessons that I embrace now. Um, you know, that he gives us endurance to run our race, looking to Christ as author and finisher, but it's still, it's our, it's our race that he gives us the endurance to do. And it won't look like, you know, what key is, you know, won't look like Barbara's. Um, we all have our own unique space in this universe. And that gives me joy to know that 
he'll use all of us. And there's no need to compete, you know, there's no need for my race to look like someone else's. Mm -hmm. If mine took nine and his took three, then God be the glory. Mm -hmm. But but to own and hold your head up, hold your head up over how God, you know, decided to mark out your path because he's going to use it for someone else's glory. Or excuse me, his good, but someone else's someone else's good, but his glory. Wow. You said that phenomenally. Yes, I think that was just so, so, so well put. I mean, it was so many little nuggets up in there. As you're talking, I'm trying to write them down. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, um, I definitely believe that um, people can just learn, like, you know, obviously that little saying, that comparison is the stiller of joy, mm-hmm. right? And just understanding that the walk God got for you is your walk yeah and it's okay however you know it's okay he doesn't make any mistakes he knows exactly what he's doing he's seen every time he was going to go to the left instead of going to the right he had already worked that into the plan it's fine mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's fine don't panic don't mm-hmm. panic ladies you're still going to get there mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and i think that right there is the most important thing and i love how you was, when you was just saying a thing about just believe just believe which is so hard though in most in, in some cases right it's just to believe but I think that to me is always most people's secret sauce right is that mm-hmm. I just believe it's going to happen yeah. it doesn't matter that it's, it's going to take me one year two years or even nine I just believe it's going to happen and I think that's what makes your journey so phenomenal is how um because it wasn't just a straight shot Mm-mm. 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 and I believe the beauty in that your testimony as well is that God will give everybody their word. He will give them um, what they need to hear to keep them in the race. Um, And for everybody, I think it's something different. Of course, some other people share believe, but some other people, um, it's, 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 it it could be something totally different. But God is going to be faithful and he's going to give you the confidence that it is his voice. <laughs> he is going to remind you by saying the same thing multiple times. He's going to be consistent. Yes. And um, uh, the faith is in that that word is for me. You know, whatever that word is, whatever that piece of encouragement you need, it is unique for you. And he's going to... Um, produce what you need to produce what he needs to produce in your life to continue to believe it and use that to give you strength and to me that's the faith part um and um i'm just 100 confident that he does that and it's and it's us that just have to be still and um and listen for it and i totally believe in those moments <laughs> that other he uses other people yeah to give you things that you haven't even asked for i think that's some of my most phenomenal um memories is that he's brought things to pass that i did not utter to anyone Mm. and he made it happen and those are the moments that bring me to tears yeah um because you know that he's heard you absolutely and he cares enough to do it so he's not just sitting on it right just waiting to wham me one day if I make it he go ahead he goes ahead and uses other people to keep me in the race and I just um that that brings moments of 
gratitude, humility. Yes. Um, and uh, courage also, because it says, okay, he did hear me. And so he does have me, you know? And so why can't I just do this thing another day? Because I can't commit beyond next week, you know? <laughs> it's let beyond me just, today. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me get through today, right? Do the assignments I'm supposed to do, work my plan. Yes. Let me work my plan one more day because he has convinced me beyond a shadow of a doubt. He's in this thing with me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well said. Well said, both of you. Yep. Well, thank you. Thank That's you. I think, I think this is a, a good wrap up point. I think a lot of our listeners have some valuable points to, to take away um, from our talk with you tonight, Tara. I thank you again. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Yes, 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 yes. So I just want to reiterate, I, I think one of the things that we had talked about um, today, I would love for people just to really take away some of those points that you gave about just doing that work and about, you know, the whole about meditating, the gratitude, the relationships, the relationship building, your movement of your physical body and obviously paying it forward. So I just want to reiterate that again, because I think those tips was great. And then, you know, obviously, like Barbara just said, lean in to God and see what he's telling you to do. What is your word? So as we're all about to go into the new year, I think that's something that we can also lean into. I know God gives me a word every year. Um, And some of those words I want to hear. And most times, ladies, it is something I don't want to hear. (laughs) So um, just because I know it's going to it's going to stretch me. Right. And so but, you know, God is constantly talking. And so if we just stop for a minute and really lean in to hear his voice, it would definitely give us um, continue to give us strength to run the race. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because he's faithful. Yes, he is. He's faithful. Yeah, he is. Um, and he will give us what we need to finish this race. So we have to run on and see what our end is going to bring you all. Absolutely. Yes. This is a marvelous thing. Marvelous. I'm convinced. I'm telling you, had you asked me, you know, 40 years ago, I don't think I would have given you that answer. Mm. But I'm 100% confident that it is a marvelous thing. Yes, it is. Amen. Well, ladies, I think this was just a phenomenal talk. Thank you for this time and this discussion. Yes, Tara, thank you so, so much. And I'm sure, you know, I think you've been so insightful. I'm sure as we go along, we may call you back for for, for guest appearance, <laughs> another guest appearance, um, just because it was just such an uplifting talk. And I love your actual practical, um, you know, um, tips for people to go out here and do. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, we all move forward and we all go out here and just do the work. Absolutely. Yeah, let's Amen. keep the session going anytime. Amen. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ladies. Thank you.